0: Good morning and happy Mother's Day. Would you please stand and join me in the call to worship, which is printed in your bulletin. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do the works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. May the end the whole building is joined together and advise us to become a holy temple in the Lord. And the end of the too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives Spirit. Heavenly Father, you are always with us. We thank you for your presence here this morning. Open our hearts, Father, that we may hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. That is our hope and our joy. We're so glad that you're here today in in worship at the Houghton Wesleyan Church. Take a moment, share a word of greeting with others who are here. Perhaps introduce yourself to someone that uh, you have not met before. One of the, the great joys of being a part of the church universal is that we are able to connect with brothers and sisters who are in other places of the world. And sometimes that's because we go to those places, sometimes they come to us, and uh, sometimes it's because uh, people from our fellowship go to those places. This morning, we are privileged to welcome John and Carolyn Miller uh, back to Houghton. They uh, have a long relationship with us here. We have supported them for many years of their ministry with the Bible Translators, and uh, they uh, continue to, uh, to serve the Lord in Asia. And uh, they are going to come and share a few moments about uh, their ministry, what God is doing in their lives and through their lives uh, at this time.
2: Some of you have been praying for us and supporting us since Carolyn first left with her grandmother Payne's wedding dress in her suitcase to join me in Vietnam. Some of you have seen us come and go through the years as we've visited Houghton from time to time. Some of you welcomed us back from Vietnam after our time of being guests of the revolution in 1975. Some of you know us only as Luann Brubaker's parents or as names on the church bulletin board. But one way or another, the Houghton community has supported us through the past 50-plus years in prayer and financial support, first in Vietnam and later in the Philippines, Malaysia, Laos, and Thailand. And we want to say thank you.
3: Our ministry has been varied. While most of our work has involved language development and Bible translation, we've also been involved in teaching, in administration, serving as parents to our own children and others, and doing whatever else has needed to be done. Over the past 10 years, the Lord has opened a way for us to continue to work with the brew people from both Laos and Vietnam, at a language center in northeast Thailand, near the Lao border. In 2009, <clears throat> a revised Bru New Testament with Psalms was printed in Vietnam. This was the third printing of the Brew New Testament. As far as we know, it was the first time the Vietnamese government gave permission to print scripture in a minority language without an accompanying Vietnamese translation.
2: Last month, a manuscript of the entire brew Bible was electronically turned over to the Vietnamese Bible Society. And last week we received word that the government has given permission to print this Bible in country. There are three Brew pastors have been trained at a reopened seminary in Saigon, or Ho Chi Minh City, and four more are being trained currently house churches are found in uh, in dozens of villages and we had the privilege to meet some of these church leaders when we were allowed to visit in our the village we lived in among the brew people in 2011
3: we are often reminded of our brew friends when we read what paul tells the believers in thessalonica he says in chapter 1 For when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. So you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit, in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord.
2: Paul recognized uh, his dependence on the prayers of others as he carried out the work of God that God had given him he says in second corinthians first chapter on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many This has been true for us, and we have seen God's hand at work in our lives and the ministry in Vietnam, in Malaysia, among the Katazan people, and in travels to many other places. We expect to return to Thailand in July to finish our part in serving the Bru community through development of literacy and scripture use materials. Literacy, particularly in Laos, is very low, and we hope to also to finish a brew dictionary and the archiving of other brew materials.
3: We've also seen God use the brew materials to reach other related language groups in Laos. I've been working with a team of local people to complete a New Testament in the Katan language, a language related to brew, and using a computer program called ADAPT-IT. The Catan Church is very young, but it's rapidly growing to uh, several thousand people. Uh, Their literacy and knowledge of the national language of Lao is not very high. Most of their leaders have spent time in prison because they refuse to give up their faith, and new believers are routinely threatened with loss of life or property If they do not recant, and sometimes that has happened. We continue to need your prayers and support for this work. We're encouraged by Paul's reminder that the word of God is not chained. He's not dependent on our presence to continue his work. Now even more than when Paul wrote those words to Timothy, the word of God penetrates barriers by printed materials, radio broadcasts, MP3 players, and even cell phones. We may not personally be able to continue for a much longer time, but the Apostle Peter reminds us that the word of the Lord endures forever. So pray with us for the Brew, the kathan and for more than 1,600 other language groups that still don't have any of the word of God in their language.
1: Thank you, John and Carolyn, and we will be in prayer for them and for the Brew people and uh, their work, and we appreciate your sharing with us. We do want to uh, welcome you this uh, Mother's Day and hope that you have the opportunity to spend some time with family on this special day. Uh, We want to welcome those of you who may be here because of the commencement at the college this weekend and also the class of one thousand nine hundred and sixty four uh, celebrating their fifty three union this weekend, and we have the privilege and uh, the joy of welcoming back a trumpet trio and they 're going to be playing for us a little bit later in the service. Uh, there are a few things that I want to bring to your attention we 've been, been talking the last few weeks about the sermon series in the fall uh, we 're going to be answering uh, questions that uh, you want to ask, and uh, we have Three by five cards of different colors in the pew racks in front of you. We're going to, tomorrow's the last day, to. we're going to gather those. So if you would like a question, maybe you can word it. I'd like to hear a sermon about. Uh, we are collecting those, and uh, we'll be this week uh, figuring out um, sort of what all the questions are and uh, sifting through those. Uh, next Sunday is the election of our leaders. Next Sunday morning and next Sunday night is our vision meeting. And it's a great time to come together. We're going to talk about what God has done this past year and also what we are anticipating God to do in us and through us in the year ahead. Saturday uh, is a cleanup day here at the church. We appreciate all of you who are able to come for some time Saturday morning. Saturday afternoon, there is a memorial service for Bob Brown Jr. And we want to uh, keep them in our prayers and uh, be aware of this gathering. We also are still looking for some people to help out with child care. And over the summer... uh, for Children's Church and also for uh, Sunday school the next few weeks. And if you can help with that, that will be greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for the ways that you invest yourself in the ministry of our church to help us minister not only to children but to each other as well.
0: Old Testament scripture reading for this morning is found in Psalm chapter 118. Psalm 118. Hear the word of the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his love endures forever. When hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me. Resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die, but live, and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession, up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Please join me in the prayer of confession, printed in your bulletin. Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been and fill us with a desire to want you to change what we are and to direct what we shall be so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen.
0: This time I'd invite the ushers to come forward to assist us in the giving of our tithes and offerings. If you would please stand with me for the singing of the Gloria Patri. blessed us in many, many ways. We are very grateful. We thank you now for this opportunity to give back joyfully. May you bless these gifts and multiply them for your use. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
4: What a joy it is for us to be with you. For Rosemarie and me, it's like coming home after a few years away. And uh, for our guys here, well, we've, we played here about, not here in the church, but in Houghton about 25 years ago, and uh, before that, well, we were the Houghton College Trumpet Trio of 1964. Uh, Ralph Marks is here next to me, and then Don Warren, and at the piano is Charles Walker. It's our joy to be back together. Please be forgiving in case we crack a note here or there, but... Uh, some of us haven't been playing for about 15 years. So we uh, are so happy to be with you today on this Mother's Day and to be here with the Millers. And, uh, well, it's just been a glorious time in fellowship already. This weekend has been tremendous. In your bulletin, it says, we are going to play, I heard the voice of Jesus say. But well, we took a little liberty after all the messages of this weekend, and we wanted to play Take my life and let it be.
1: you so much. As we uh, prepare to spend some time praying together, it's been our practice for a number of years to uh, open the altar rail for those of you who would like to come and pray. Sometimes kneeling is just seems to be the most appropriate means of offering our prayers. So this morning as we pray together, if you would like to come and use the altar rail as your place of prayer, I invite you to join me. Father, as we come to you in worship today, we come with our hearts open to you. We come in a spirit of adoration and worship. We come asking you to take our lives and let be whatever you desire. We come acknowledging that there is no better place for any of us to be than in your hands. And our lives given to you. It's the ultimate act of worship. We thank you for desiring us. We thank you for wanting us and loving us. Thank you for receiving us. Father, on this day when we, that we've set aside to think about family, we thank you for the gift of family. We know that family comes in a variety of shapes and sizes. And quite frankly, family exists with varying degrees of success. We want to thank you today for the people who nurtured us, cared for us, loved us. Father, we recognize that there are no perfect families. So we pray that you will help us. Help us to be parents who love our children and lead our children to Christ in all that we do. Help us to be children who love our parents in the spirit of Christ's love in all that we do. In all of our family connections, may we know your grace and mercy. Make us people who love and forgive and show kindness and mercy, who respect and honor one another. Do want nothing more than what is best for each other. Father, we pray for the needs, the burdens that we bring with us today. We pray for those who are grieving. We think of Bob Brown's family. We think of Marge Avery and her family, the death of her brother this week, and and for other families that are in the middle of grief and pain and loss and all of the various ways in which it comes to us in this world. We pray for healing, for your comforting presence. We pray for the struggles that we face in these frail bodies in which we live. We think especially today of Bev and Edna We pray for Linda and Micah, for Bill and Crystal and Emily, and for others who are on our minds and hearts this morning. And we ask for your healing grace in each of them. Father, we pray for all who are struggling with other kinds of needs. Some are looking for a job. Some are dealing with broken relationships. Some are wrestling with anger and bitterness. Some of us may feel overwhelmed with disappointment from unfulfilled expectations. We ask that you would continue to work in our lives. Father, we pray for this world, this world that you created and you love. Thank you for the ministry that John and Carolyn have had, for all of the ways in which you've given them strength and help through the years. And we thank you for the the strength that they have now to continue their ministry. We pray that you will bless them, that you will continue to help them in their ongoing work. We pray for the Brew people. We ask that you will continue to bless them as a church. Watch over them. We pray, Father, for our brothers and sisters in Brunei. We're facing the difficulties of uh, just enacted Sharia law. Lord, we pray that you would give them the confidence of your spirit. May they have courage in the face of difficulties that, quite frankly, we know very little, if anything, about. We pray that they will know our love, our prayers, our support. Father, we pray for the ongoing ministry of Jericho Road as they reach out to refugees and people in Buffalo. Help them to be your hands, your feet, your eyes and ears of love and mercy and grace to people in need. Father, we thank you that we come today in the spirit of the resurrected Christ. Let the truth and the reality and the power of Christ's resurrection be our purpose, our motivation, this day and every day. And it is in the name of our risen Savior that we pray with joy and confidence, remembering the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done
0: Our New Testament reading for this morning is 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 4 to 12. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 12. Hear the word of the Lord. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. This is the word of the Lord.
1: What is God's purpose, His calling, His goal for people who want to follow Him? Some people would say that uh, it's holiness. Others would say it is acknowledging the supremacy of God. Some people would say it's worship. Some people would say evangelism, others discipleship. Some people would say it is bringing a social, a social revolution to our culture and our world. In one sense or another, all of these are correct. They, they are, they're true, they're right, they're a part of it. And, and we, are, we are asking God to help us be a part of, of wanting to accomplish these things and transforming us to be these things. But I think sometimes we have a view of God's goal and purpose for us as Christians that moves toward these things in a way that I think is different from what God may intend. What often happens with us is that we tend to see the goal, the purpose of being a Christian only from the perspective of me. What God is doing in my life, what God is doing in my heart how God wants me as a part as a follower of Jesus, and while that is important obviously I, I think god 's deeper purpose i think god 's god 's larger design is that we be connected as the church and Peter seems to be saying the same thing in this passage we read where he talks about. The people of God being built into a spiritual house. I think that's significant. When, when Jesus says to his disciples, on this rock I will build my church and the, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. He doesn't say on you as a person I will build church. Or my rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against you, though that may be true. That's not what he says. It's about the church. And there is power in the church, in the spiritual house that God designs for us, that God plans for us and calls us to be. This is a spiritual house, Peter says, that is going to be bigger than any of us can imagine. Peter is writing to people who are scattered, people who are persecuted, people who are in various places uh, in the world, and he writes to them into a, and people in a culture who are continually being told you are invaluable, your life means nothing, what you believe is ridiculous, unreasonable, ignorant, you have no value or worth to our society. And Peter's word to them is, that's a lie. Because the spiritual house that God is building means that you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession. This is the spiritual house that God is building. It is, it is more awesome than you can imagine. You do have value and worth. In this house that I have designed and built. And it is the calling of God's people. To be a part of this spiritual house. Now he says that this house is built of living stones. And that has something to do with us. We need to be living stones. We are called by the Spirit to be alive and we are made alive through the crucified risen Christ. But often we leave it there. And I think sometimes our picture of what it means to be a living stone is just one stone lying on the ground. And 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 I think we, we almost come to the place of saying, That's okay. If that's all I ever am, that's okay. And I think that's a very stunted, unbiblical view of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Peter says we are living stones that God wants to use to build a spiritual house. And the calling on our lives is not just to be a stone lying on the ground somewhere. And granted, it's better to be a living stone lying on the ground somewhere than to be a dead stone. But that's not our purpose. That's not our calling. That's not God's design for us. It's to be a part of this spiritual house that he is building. That is beyond our ability to comprehend and grasp. But often we struggle to really believe that that's God's intent for us. We settle to say, well, if I'm just good myself, that's all that matters. It's just really just me and Jesus. Everything else is icing on the cake. No. We have totally misunderstood what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's about being a living stone that's a part of this spiritual house. That's God's purpose for us. That's God's design for us. And in our Western culture, in our Western mindset, in this, in this culture in which, in society in which, what continually comes to us is that it's all about me, my rights. It's, it's whatever I want. We have brought that into the church. And we've convinced ourselves that as long as it's me and Jesus, then really everything else is superfluous. And we've missed it. We've missed what it means to be a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. I think this will mean for us that we, we think more about unity than we do our divisions. Now, we're, we're distinct. God, is, God, in His amazing creative work, created us to be different, we are distinctive. And we give thanks to God for that. We look different. We, we have different backgrounds and experiences. We come from different places. There are all kinds of ways in which we are different. Gender, age. We're different in things like economics and geography. Uh, we're different in levels of education. We, we are different in all kinds of ways. But instead of using those differences to bring us together, we often use those differences to split us apart. And our focus is not on how can we take our distinctives and build this beautiful mosaic that is the church. We, we start saying if they don't see things the way I do, then they are wrong and we can't get along and we have to go our separate ways. And we become just stones by ourselves. Years ago when we lived in Wisconsin as part of a ministerial group that we would meet together every month and uh, we would talk about, uh, you know, some things going on in our churches and how we together as the churches in this town might be able to help the community. And, and, and we had a great time uh, together. But at some point we realized that we wanted something more than just getting together and kind of talking about business. So we decided that we wanted to begin worshiping together. There was a retreat center just outside of town, and we wanted to meet in this retreat center. We would uh, take turns leading a brief devotional. We would pray together. We would share concerns and, and uh, worship together, sing a little bit. And, and we started getting much more excited about coming together. And as these plans were, were taking shape, one of the guys in the group said, if we're going to do that, then I can't meet with you anymore. And I said, why? He said, because we, in our church, we believe that if we don't agree on every doctrinal perspective, then we can't worship together. And he said, and since I know that we have differences of opinion about, about doctrine in this group that's very diverse, I can meet with you for a business meeting, but I can't meet with you to worship. I got to tell you, I'm a, I might be naive, but I had never heard anybody say that kind of thing before. And we felt bad leaving him out, but we went to worship. It was too important for us. I think sometimes in the church we have this mindset that the things, the distinctives about us, even the God-given distinctives, they, they, they separate us instead of unifying us. And instead of realizing that if we come together, we create this beautiful house with all of, uh, all of the different ways and different gifts and things that we bring to it, everyone has to look just like us. And since that's not going to happen, and they're not going to think like us, we're going to go off and just be our little stone by ourselves. And we're not really fulfilling God's call to be this spiritual house. I know one of the reasons we wrestle with that is because it means we're going to have to sacrifice. We can't always get our way. The decisions don't always go the way we want them to go. But that's what working together is about. And quite frankly, it may remind us that we aren't always right. As hard as that is to hear Sometimes. And other people interacting with us and our lives, intermingling together, is often the means in which God uses to break off some of those rough edges in our lives and to smooth us out. God uses other people. As we read in the scriptures, iron sharpens iron. And we often need to be sharpened. And that means we're going to Sacrifice. In verse 5, he talks about us coming and and offering spiritual sacrifices that are pleasing to God. And it is a completely different thing to offer spiritual sacrifices that are pleasing to us than spiritual sacrifices that are pleasing to God. In the Old Testament, when they bring sacrifices, it always costs them something significant. It's the first fruits of the harvest, the best of the crop. It's always the best of the flock. It's a sacrifice. It's a significant sacrifice. And you and I are called to those same kinds of sacrifices. And, and we, we struggle with that because we know if we're really going to be involved with each other, if we're really going to connect with each other to be, build this spiritual house, then probably people are going to ask us to do something in the church. And we'd rather not. We might be asked to teach Sunday school or work in children's church or help with the youth group or be an usher or a greeter or go to the nursing home. And we just want to come to church, do our thing and go home. We don't really want to sacrifice. And again, we become a stone off by ourselves and we miss out on the joy of being a part of this house, and instead of seeing this as something we dread because oh I have to sacrifice, we see it as something we look forward to we get to be a part of something so much bigger than us we get to be a part of of this wonderful house the spiritual house that God is building that is awesome and we don't realize how much us not being involved in this house Hurts the kingdom. It's it's like playing the Jenga game. You probably have seen this Jenga game. May have played this game, and I know I'm going to knock this thing over if I do too much of it. You know, you pull out a piece and you put them on top, and 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 you keep pulling out pieces. and And if you pull out a few pieces, it'll stand. But when you get very many, you compromise the integrity of the tower, and it comes crashing down. And we think, well, just one more piece it's just one more piece. And how many people does it take for us to say my involvement's not that significant. Me my sacrifice is not that important. How long does it take until this spiritual house that God has designed has holes in it? And is threatened. So what we're really doing is we're really modeling Christ. Because Peter says that the cornerstone of this house, the architect of this building, is Christ. And if anybody looked at Christ while he was here on earth, and they then looked at him on the cross, who in their right mind would believe that that was a worthy, worthwhile foundation on which to build a kingdom? No one. He's rejected The only people that like hanging around Jesus are the people that no one else wants to hang around. He ends up on a cross. He's treated like a criminal. And yet, Peter says that very criminal, the one who's rejected, is the perfect cornerstone, the perfect foundation for the spiritual house that he is building. Because when he is the foundation who is right and true, every stone that is placed upon him is going to be in the right place. Right and true. And the foundation is good. No matter what. No matter what. It's good. Because the one who was rejected The one who went to the cross, the one who died, rose from the dead. And he conquered our greatest enemy. And this foundation has power. And it is perfect. And it will hold up this house that God is building. As we offer ourselves as living stones. What ends up happening then is that we we begin to look as a house that he builds, we begin to look like the architect of the house. People can look at that spiritual house and say, "I know who built that." I mean, we if you if you know anything about famous architects, they have a style. They they have they have a something about the way they design things and the buildings they create that that can tell people who know, oh, that's a Frank Lloyd Wright. Oh, that's a Christopher Wren. And artists do the same thing. People who who study art can look at a painting and know which master painted it. And when people look at this house that God has built, they aren't looking at the individual stones in the house they're just looking at the house and it occurs to them this looks like Jesus because it's his house my grandfather was a uh, he was a terrific builder he uh, he built a lot of houses he was also a, uh, a college professor who taught music and he was a pastor And, um, you know, back in those days, college professors and pastors would make a lot of money. So he always was supplementing his income with things. And one of the things he would do is buy an old house and restore it and remodel it. And then he would sell it. My mom talked about how, you know, they they would move into a a kind of a dilapidated place. And he would spend a, a year or so fixing it up and just when it got to the place where it was they wanted to live in it he would sell it to someone and then they'd go find another house and do the same thing and they moved around a lot and, uh, but he could build about anything and he did he built a number of houses remodeled a lot of houses in fact in his retirement years he took a Volkswagen Beetle and he cut it off right behind the back seat and he put a camper on the back of it this was the oddest looking vehicle you've ever seen most of the family really did not want to drive around town riding in this with him. But it, was, but it worked and he did it. He just had a mind for that kind of thing. And he could build stuff. Unfortunately, his building skills were not passed along to me. I do not have that gift. Um, I can put around the house a little bit. Some of you uh, may have had the uh, privilege of helping me with some projects. And um, probably you've walked out of the house thinking, I am so glad I don't live in a structure that he constructed. This is bad news. Now, there is one thing that I'm pr- kind of proud of and uh, that I made a number of years ago. It stood the test of time. And it's this, this uh, garbage can holder that I made. <laughs> hey, it's painted and everything. I'm going to tell you right now. I am proud of this. This is my, this is my building accomplishment you got to remember, in eighth grade, in shop class, uh, I was completely out of my element. And, and I remember the time when the shop teacher handed all of us some wood and said, build something. I don't know what to build. I am the first thing to know what to build. And so I thought, well, the guy next to me seems to know what he's doing, so I'm just going to build what he builds. And he was building a little shelf. And so when he cut the wood, I cut the wood. And when he nailed, I nailed. And when he varnished, I varnished. And, and when it got done, it really didn't look too bad. And I remember taking it home and showing it to my parents and, and they said, oh, this, is, this is nice. And my, my mother said, but I do have one question. Why are the ends in the shape of the letter R? I said, hey, the guy's name was Randy that was next door to me. <laughs> That's not my field. It's not my thing. And you know what I've come to discover? That no matter how, how hard we try, when we try to build the church, we're much more like me than my grandfather. We, we, use, we, we mess up the tools of relationships. We succumb to the temptations that come at us. We, we mess up so often. We are so imperfect. We don't have a clue what we're doing most of the time. But the good news is, Jesus does. Jesus knows exactly what to do. He is the master architect and the master builder. All He's asking of us is that we let Him use us, that we hand Him our living stone. And let him make it a part of the spiritual house that he is building. I love what the the psalmist says that we read earlier. He said the the cornerstone, the, the one who's been rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. And then he says, that verse we quote so often, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Why are we rejoicing? Because the one who was rejected is the cornerstone. And he is building this spiritual house that is beyond our ability to comprehend. And he invites us to be a part of it. We can be living stones, off on our own, accomplishing so much less than what God intends. Or we can offer ourselves spiritual sacrifice and watch God put us into this awesome house He is building that reflects His glory and allows us to be a part of something amazing. Amazing. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege you've given us. The privilege you've given us to be a part of this this house you're building. Lord, help us to be willing stones that you take and you do more with than we could ever imagine. We pray this through Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the cornerstone. Amen. As we are Singing the last hymn this morning, we're going to distribute to you stones you and just pass them through the rows and just take one. And this is in order to remind you of our calling to be a part of this house that God is building. He's calling us to be living stones. He's calling us to be living stones and giving us the privilege, to be a part of his kingdom. And my prayer is that you will take your stone home and you will put it somewhere prominent. And every time you see it, you will pray, Lord, let me be a living stone in your house. Whatever you want that to be. So let's stand for the closing hymn. And as we sing, take your stone and may God speak into your heart.